Right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice in the Numbers. I am your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Tracy Josh. Corbin Heller, sorry. Got that wrong. Yo. Um, today is Monday, which we don't usually record on Mondays. So an episode just dropped today, but we're having uh but the you know, schedule stuff, life stuff, shit gets in the way. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, as you all should be, <laughs> the Hall of Fame inductees got announced uh, Tuesday, this past Tuesday, for, for MLB. We will talk about that, but not at the top of the show because we don't know what happened yet. We don't know <laughs> who got in. I'm going to guess Derek Jeter did. <laughs> um, I'm going to hope Larry Walker did. And I'm going to keep my fingers loosely crossed that Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds did. But we will find out uh tomorrow but you already know so just stay tuned uh there'll be something uh, additional about this later on in the show but for now we will be talking about the nfl i hope so much that barry bonds gets in oh man i know he so deserves it he him and Clemens are just like such identical players in, for, mm-hmm. for, for their position. Seven-time MVP, seven-time Cy Young winner. Like, uh, it's, it, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I hope that they both get in. I think they both will, too. I they think both- there's been enough media Twitter guys who have come out with their ballots that have had both of them on there that I think uh, I think they'll both get it. The problem is public ballots only make up like... 35 to 40 percent of all ballots the vast majority of ballots are secret ballots well fuck yeah i know that because that's the thing is like i if i recall correctly larry walker was due to be up for the hall last year too in the publicly available ballots Mm -hmm. and then when actual mvp or not mvp uh, hall of fame voting came out he didn't get it because he he just wasn't on the private ballots those bunch of fucking pussies I'm not very confident that he'll make it in. Just because of the public ballots that I've seen, I have not seen him on many. He, out of the public ballots right now, he will make it. Okay. Because I'm not, a, I haven't looked at the actual like, number breakdown, like percentages that I'm sure you have. I'm just seeing like guys I follow on Twitter. Yeah, no, there, there, there's a guy I follow. I think Jay Jaffe is the one who does it. I forget who I follow that does it. I think it's Jay Jaffe. Um, because he's very involved in in Hall of Fame voting stuff. Like they do, like trackers as literally like as every publicly available ballot comes out, they update the tracker nice. and then make a post. So I believe, as of right now, Larry Walker should be making it. But again, he's a guy that lives and dies on the public ballots. It's weird as fuck. Anyway, shall we talk about the conference championship games? Because we do know what happened with those. Yes, we shall. I almost said let's shall and. Man, I'm getting better at words because I stopped myself that time. I'm proud of you, buddy. <laughs> uh, first up, we have the uh, AFC Championship game in which the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Tampa Bay. Nope, nope, nope. The Tennessee <laughs> Titans. Um, what was your impression of this game off the jump? Um, so in my prediction, I'm like 95% certain that I said that Kansas City needed to get out with an early lead so that Tennessee couldn't just sit on the run. And watching Tennessee go up two scores early, I was like, oh my fucking God, it's going to happen. Like, it's it's happening. The Titans are going to go to the Super Bowl. Um, and then uh, Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City defensive line decided, nah, that's not going to happen. 
I thought this was a great game. I didn't get to sit down and watch it all, but I saw enough of it to be confident in uh, you know, what I was able to see. And uh I I thought this was a great game. Yeah, this was this was fun. Um up until uh up until the fourth. It was frustrating because Tennessee was just so out of it. But th- this was a really, really captivating first three quarters of football. Tennessee played very admirably for 30 minutes. Um, unfortunately, Kansas City played better for 60 minutes. But uh, 45 minutes. Regardless, though. <laughs> uh, no, this was super. This was a really fun game. The Chiefs did a phenomenal job on defense. Uh, I, I understand they let up 24 points, but it certainly doesn't feel like they let up 24 points. They, I thought they, they, they played <laughs> like they're gonna give the uh, Niners a tough ass time. Um, oh, Tennessee, that matchup. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Tennessee did well. Um, they just, I think they played fine. I think they played basically the way they played their other games, but that just wasn't gonna stack up. Th- this is, I think, how I would have expected the Tennessee Baltimore game to go. Um. Yeah, uh, to to an extent. Yeah, yeah to to, to um, a relative extent. Uh, I'm still not sure. I would have predicted. I didn't predict Tennessee to put up 24 points against Baltimore's defense, and I think Baltimore probably had the better defense. But fucking go figure, man. Here's here's Kansas City, or here not Kansas. Here's Tennessee's um points for each postseason game. 20 against New England, 28 against Baltimore, 24 against Kansas City. So this mm-hmm. is literally their average point scored. Um, yeah. So I, I think they, yeah, I think they played the offense anyway, played the game they intended to play. The defense got fucked by like the best offense in football. So. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, th- I agree with that's basically how it went. I mean, Derrick Henry didn't have the kind of game he's had the past couple weeks, 19 carries for 69 yards and a TD. 3.6 average. He got stuffed uh, a lot. Like he he didn't have any of his, I guess we can call them trademark runs now. Um, if you look at his run chart, it's a lot of very, there's a lot of yellow lines, uh, to put it that way, as in there really wasn't a whole lot that uh, he was able to do. He had three rushes of more than five yards. Um, which is not ideal. One of which was that touchdown. He had a long of 19. Uh, it, you just really got to hand it to um, the Chiefs' defense and uh, fuck. What's uh, Steve Spagnuolo, their defensive coordinator for in Kansas City? He did a great job. Um, and I mean, those guys they have on that defensive line, like Chris Jones. My goodness, they are very good. And I really do think they're going to match up very well against the 49ers uh, in a couple weeks. How many times do you think the uh, the Titans ran the ball in their loss to the Chiefs? Um, Counting I, the QB runs. I hate to say that I already know this information because I was looking at Go the ahead. box score earlier. Yeah, just shout out oh. then. 23 times uh, for 85 total rushing yards, averaged 3.7 yards per rush. All right, 23 rushes. Derrick Henry had 19. How many do you think they had against their against Baltimore? They're winning against Baltimore. Ooh, uh, f- 
45 total? 37. Okay. Thir- 23 to 37. That's a huge yeah. jump. That's game. That's what happens when you have that early lead. They were running the ball a lot more, and when Kansas City got moving, you can't you can't really hold on to it like that unless, well, unless you're the 49ers. All right. So uh, Ryan Tannehill threw the ball 14 times against Baltimore. It's still just a mm-hmm. hilarious number, and he threw the ball 31 times against Kansas City. Which outing had the higher passer rating? Ooh, um, I feel like they're going to be really close. I'll go with this one because he had two touchdowns. I feel like that might be the tiebreaker. It is really close. A 1.4 passer rating difference, but it was actually Baltimore. Oh, okay. He had a 109.5 against Baltimore and a 108.1 against Kansas City. I I feel like it's so close that you really can't even argue one was a better rating than the other in the grand scheme of things because I don't know. I, I feel like it's more of a wash. Like, oh, I, 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 would, I feel I like I'm going to give Tennessee's... this one more weight because yeah. the sample size is so significantly yeah, exactly better. What I, was but, gonna say. You know, I, I would a hundred percent rather have this start with the one away passer rating with 31 attempts and actual production than the 14 passer. <laughs> start. Yeah, that's bad. Um, uh, what else did I want to say? Oh, Pat Mahomes, uh, as great as Lamar Jackson was this year, I think Pat Mahomes still definitely has the title of the best QB in the NFL. Um, Lamar's probably a bigger threat just because he is such a better two-way player, not to take any credit away from Pat Mahomes' ability to run the ball, but man, he was, he carried this team this week and really kind of has the entire playoffs and he's been pretty fucking spectacular man i'm excited to see him finally get to a super bowl finally it's his fucking third year yeah yeah <laughs> get to a super bowl and see what we could do on the biggest stage uh do you remember what, what you predicted the score to be i do i have it in front of me uh i had the chiefs winning 34 19 yeah, so you were close. You I were was pretty close. close on this one. I, one like when I looked this up earlier. I was I was very happy with uh, what I predicted. I predicted Tennessee winning, thirty-five to thirty-two, because I didn't want to do this. Um, <laughs> obviously, this did not happen. Although you know, it's funny. I think this still feels closer than some of my guesses during for the divisional round. Oh yeah, let's not All talk right. about that Ravens game. That was uh, <laughs> ooh ooh. All right, so let's talk about Green Bay against San Francisco. Did you watch any of this game? Uh, I did, but not as much. This game I, I got to actually watch, like, all of. Excellent. What were you going to say? I just, I feel like they're, I didn't need to watch nearly as much to really understand how this game went. Um, Because, wow, like, it's, the numbers are just jump out at you. Uh, you can't really hide from them because I feel like this is one of those games where I know we talked about last week and we talked about all the time where you can't just look at a box score and see, oh, this sucked, you know, like this or this happened. You can't draw conclusions just from the box score. This is one of those games where you can get pretty close. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Um, 
they the 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 Packers were lifeless. Yeah. It shows everywhere outside of like Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. Uh it, Aaron Rodgers with a like an eight point something for uh uh yards per completion or yards yards per 4. attempt. It's just so two interceptions. Ugh. Um, it, it, this was just such an ugly game. Yeah, I mean, it was just they couldn't. I wanted to actually look Aaron at Jones had 12 field, rushes uh, for 56 yards. Like, it's just holy shit. And they only gonna... they ran the ball, they ran the ball 16 times. Mm-hmm. Wow, for, for 62 yards. That's terrible. Yeah, that's really bad. Uh, just looking at what they were able to do running the ball San Francisco, I would have very much assumed that they controlled time of possession throughout the game. They had three or two and a half minutes less than Green Bay for time of possession. 31-13 for Green Bay, 28-47 for San Francisco. They were scoring quick. Not something I would have expected. Wow. I want to look up this uh, Raheem a, it, Mustard. It, it, look, it looks it had looked like the Packers didn't even want to play the game. Yeah. I don't know. And it's so and it's not because it's not like they were like just out. So like when Baltimore lost to Tennessee, mm-hmm. it wasn't close really at any point in that game. But Baltimore played with a fuck ton of grit. Um and they really gutted out that what eventual loss, but they gutted the game out. I mean, I mean, Green Bay looked like they wanted to go home. I yeah. mean, oh my God, they looked so listless. It, it felt just... like every time I looked over at one of the TVs, I just, it was just a shot of the Green Bay bench, everyone sitting on the benches, looking like they were at a funeral, no energy, no one was really there hyping the team up. Um, I mean, granted, I wasn't able to watch the whole game. I don't know if anyone was at any point, but at no point did I ever see that. And I don't know how anyone on Green Bay's sideline could expect to come back from a 27-point deficit at halftime or fucking any deficit leading up to that when the team was just that dead. Yeah, and like, I, I get that, like you said, I get that you got scored on first, but... It's like it's like they'd never been scored on before. It's like it's like the yeah. first touchdown from from Raheem Mostert, who had a ridiculous game. I didn't know who he was, um, and it, it's 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 like they just threw in the towel after that. It was just it. It was ugly. It was an ugly game. Aaron Rodgers looked awful. And if you looked at his box score. You would think he had a pretty great game. 31 of 39, 326 yards, an 8.4 average is fairly good. Two touchdowns is, you know, not great. Two interceptions obviously is bad. 97.2 rating is nothing to scoff at. But watching the game, it just, their offense just, they couldn't get it done. And you know what? Credit to the San Francisco 49ers, their defense suffocated them the entire game. Yeah. This was another game where that defensive line was phenomenal. And I feel like that was kind of the storyline of the weekend where every team that succeeded was, you know, 
their defensive lines were dominating. Tennessee's defensive line in the previous game was excellent. The Kansas City defensive line stuffed the run the entire game. 49ers defensive line, just... I, I'm running out of cliches to say, but they were phenomenal. Uh, Green Bay's not nearly as much. Yeah, what sticks out to me <laughs> a lot is Jimmy Garoppolo, one sack. One sack, yep. The Darius Smith this season had 13 and a half. Preston Smith had 12. Those two dudes combined for 25 and a half sacks. And Jimmy Garoppolo got sacked once. Once. Yeah. That's it. A single time. A single, a single sack is not going to win you a game. Especially when, you're, when your offense is that blah. Mm-hmm. Like you can you can forgive it if they're at least getting pressures, but I mean on eight dropbacks you're not asking for a lot. But I, he never really even seemed pressured, even on the runs. There was just so much space just being uh, the lanes created. There was so much space there for the running backs to just take advantage of. Oof, ugly game by uh, the Green Bay defense. Yeah, it was. Yeesh. It's, it's all honestly, I got. I I think they need to go wide receiver early, especially in this draft, and that's going to prevent them from really getting another key piece on this defense. But we'll we'll have those discussions in the future. So we predicted opposite outcomes for this game. You were right. I was not, although neither of us were particularly close on the differential because 17 points is a lot. It's 17 points is a is a lot to to predict. Um, like if that was a line, I'm not sure I would take it. Um, and you had predicted San Francisco winning 27 to 26. So you were off by 10 on San Fran off by six on green Bay. I predicted green Bay to win 28 to 24. So I was off by 13 against San Francisco and eight on green Bay. Um, oof, just wow. Just wow. Also, I just want to point out uh, Aaron Rodgers, two interceptions, three fumbles, only one loss, but still, that's that, that's bad. Sorry. Yeah. Just, well, just had to get that in there. It's one of those things that really shows you how effective certain... So if, if you have great secondary play, mm-hmm. what that does is it forces Rodgers to hold the ball longer because if he goes through all of his reads and everyone's occupied and he has to go through secondary reads, you know... It give wide receivers room, t- time to to get room. Well, that I don't know two extra seconds it's going to take. That's a huge two seconds. That's going to result in Rodgers getting hit more. Granted, he only took three sacks, but one of the main ways quarterbacks fumble is by getting hit. And when your secondary can just shut down receivers the way San Francisco managed to just shut down a lot of the receiving. Um, uh, from Green Bay outside of Devontae Adams, then you force Rodgers to hold on to the ball longer because you can't run it because you stuffed the run, and that's going to result in giving your defensive line more time to actually get to the QB, and they just played a complete game. Yeah. You ready to talk about predictions for the Super Bowl? I guess ready as I'll ever be. So <laughs> it is Kansas City against against uh san francisco who to thunk it yeah i uh if you asked me to start off the season i probably would have guessed uh one of those teams 
Which one would you have guessed? Uh, San Francisco, obviously. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, man, I don't even know what to guess for scores because I, I think both defenses are going to perform very well, but at the same time, I, I expect so much from both of these offenses. Um, I guess that means I have to split the difference. Um, I guess I'm going to go. Fuck. I don't even know what to predict anymore, man. Um, I'm going to go 30 to 29. And I'm going to go with San Francisco. Final answer. I'll go with San Francisco. 42 to 35. Ooh, I like that too. I I it it just if this feels like a boomer bust game for me. And I really think they're going to come out and have a very different game than we've seen from San Francisco in a while because I do think that Kansas City defense is going to be able to to stop the kind of running attack that we've seen from them. I think they're going to have to put a lot more weight on Jimmy Garoppolo's shoulders, and I don't think that's going to be an issue. Um, Kyle Shanahan, he is he is an artist when it comes to offensive play calling. He is an artist with the way he runs an offense. Uh, I think, honestly, he's the smartest person in football. Uh, no hyperbole there. Um, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a game where he's going to throw the ball 20-something times, and I think they're going to sneak away, and I only think Kansas City is going to keep it close because Pat Mahomes is going to air the ball out, and I think he's going to perform really, really well against San Francisco's zone. What what would make this game a perfect game for you? Um, Outside of scoring. Outside of scoring? Outside of scoring. Um. I don't know, man. I I really want to see Kansas City kind of just hand the reins off to Pat Mahomes and let him throw the ball 60 times. I know, you know, effectively that probably is definitely not the best option, but I don't really care for watching Damian Williams run the ball. I don't really love any of the running backs that Kansas City has. I really just want to see Pat Mahomes do it all. And I I guess I want to see Jimmy Garoppolo have that weight on his shoulders and see him sling the rock around uh, like they did at one point during the season when uh, he really went off. So I want to see a lot of passing attack. I can respect that. For me, it'd probably be a J-Lo nip slope. (laughs) 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 What? All right. What if Prince came back for the halftime show? No, because he's dead. But what if he wasn't? Oh, if he wasn't dead. He popped out there halfway through. Prince is alive. The stage is shaped like the Prince logo. Yeah. Yeah. And then as he's singing, Tupac comes out with a solo and just lets loose with some California Dreamin' for San Francisco. Not uh, California Dream, California Love. Yeah. The problem is I just don't Please like Tupac. Tupac fans. Ooh, all right. Well, that's a bit of a wrench in our relationship, but we'll get through it. <laughs>
running through this D like I'm really, really mean. Why, did, why is everything he says going like this? Fuck out of here. Tacky, tacky and weird. By the way, the city of brotherly love is not in California. It's in Pennsylvania. Your song makes no sense. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the wild, wild west. Um, uh, no, yeah, but it, so... it, as a serious answer, <laughs> as a serious answer, I want to see a fuck ton of sacks. Ooh, there's this because there's nothing more dramatic in in a big game than a sack. In a regular season game, like sacks can always be dramatic, but like there's got to be a lot of context to it. Not even a lot. There's got to be some kind of context to it. But a sack in the Super Bowl means a lot because in the regular season like how many drives do you have you have a lot of drives you know a lot of them gonna suck but you got a lot of them in the super bowl you have a very countable number of drives (laughs) a very countable number of drives (laughs) and to have a set one of those drives uh have a sack in it ooh, fa uh my god it's it's gonna it's gonna put you back um Plus, there's just always more weight on it. I don't know. There's just always so much more weight on it when it happens in the postseason. The mentality of it, the the yards. I mean, if if, if the game's ever a battle of inches, it's a battle of inches in the Super Bowl. Let me tell you. Oh, so that just brings me back to the uh, the first Seattle Broncos, uh, the forty two eight Super Bowl. Yeah, that was awful. And to watch. The Seattle defense just pounced on them as soon as the game started. Started with that awful snap that i think resulted in a safety or a near safety um and it it was just so much there was no recovery from that Um, well you know what yeah this this super bowl might be well i'll put it this way it definitely can't be worse than last year's super bowl that super bowl sucked yeah i didn't i didn't really love it not just because the pats won but also because the game sucked God, I don't even remember who the fucking Pats played anymore. That's how fucking boring it was. Yeah, I want to say because it was Pats Rams. Um, and I want to say neither team scored over twenty points. Oh God, yeah, the Rams. Uh, let's see. The final score was thirteen three. Yeah, oh. that's an awful game. Oh. Like that's not fun. Like it's one thing being a defensive Super Bowl, which you know can be great, a la forty two to eight. Um. But this, yeah, I remember this just like having a bad taste in my mouth the whole game. Again, not just because the Patriots were winning. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like not even that. It's it's just it just wasn't two touchdowns would have beat the Pats. Yeah, like that's how oh. lame of a game it was. Two touchdowns. I if the Rams could have scored two touchdowns, not even to again, not even saying this as like an as a Pats hater, which I obviously am. Um. It's just like that's that's not fun to watch. Uh, yeah. Year before that, great Eagles Pats, super cool. Mm-hmm. Year before super that, fun, super fun. That was such a fun game. The year before that was not fun because the Pats won. But if you take that away from it, good game, thirty-four twenty-eight. Exciting OT. It really makes you re- regret how what the uh, overtime rules work, but. You know, still really a good makes game. You hate Steve Sarkeesian, but whatever. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, Broncos Panthers twenty four ten was not a very competitive game. Um, 
Patriots Seahawks was a good game, although ending in much frustration. Um, I'm just looking at the stats from last year's Super Bowl, and it's brutal. Three field goals. The only touchdown was a two-yard run. Nothing exciting there. The teams were combined six for twenty-five on third down. Oh, yeah. Uh, it just it just sucked. Just four point eight and three point four average uh, yards per rush. Oh. Just uh, absolutely ugly all around. There was only five total sacks the whole game, so there was nothing that you could even look forward to there. All right, let's see how many of the most of the the most recent uh, uh, ten most recent Super Bowls. Let's see how many of them were decided by more than one score. All right, Super Bowl Fifty Three that was more than one score, so that's one. (laughs) Super Bowl Fifty Two was one score. Super Bowl. 51 was one score. Super Bowl 50 was two scores. So we're evened up two and two. Super Bowl 49 was one score. So uh, three to two. Super Bowl <laughs> Super Bowl 48. 43 to eight. Sorry. It's at least two scores. <laughs> and somehow Malcolm three. Smith was the MVP in that. That always blows my mind. Super Bowl uh, four, 40, 47. Yeah. Um, that was what that was a great game. Ravens mm-hmm. Niners. Oh, such a good game. Um, Super Bowl 46 Giants Pats. That was a great game. Phenomenal. Let's skip Super, over this one. Super Bowl 45 Packers Steelers. Corin's got thoughts and feelings, none of which are good. That was a fun game. Uh, Saints Colts. Oh, man. Uh, that I, was a good game. You know I, what? I, I, I don't even like remember. the. That was the first Super Bowl I vividly remember watching. Not even the Steelers Cardinals one. I don't even remember watching that. It was the Colts Saints that I remember. So Actually, Paul, no, I remember Colts Bears the first time too. I don't know why. Oh, I think I remember the opening kickoff because that was when um, Devin has to return the opening kickoff for a touchdown. That's the only play I remember. So four out of the last 10 Super Bowls were decided by more than one score. That's actually yeah. pretty close. I I thought it I mean, would be more than that, you know. Yeah, I I I now wonder if I should go by. Well, I guess that means that six out of ten were decided by one score. So keeping my prediction within one score still makes the most sense. It's just tough to predict a game being having a larger than seven point disparity. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I kind of knew that I was definitely not going to get the actual point spread right. So if I'm close. That's good enough for me. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, do you have anything left to say on this now? I'm sure, very, very sure, we will be revisiting the Super Bowl topic oh, yeah. as the date draws nearer. Uh, this is Think of this, folks, as a preliminary feeling on it, just based on what we sure saw, well. the teams that are advancing, uh, what, what they look like in their most recent outing as it's fresh in our minds. Again, these games just happened yesterday to us. But... Um, and. Uh, Final thoughts for now before we, we revisit it. Um, I think it's going to be... I feel like there's not a lot of hype for the two teams in the Super Bowl right now. I have no idea why. Um, but I think this is going to be one of the more exciting Super Bowls in the past couple... Excuse me, past couple years. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally prepared to eat my words on this. I think this, this has, the, this has a, the potential to be a fucking classic. Oh yeah, just the the just 
dynamic nature of both of these offenses is going to lead to something great. Yeah, no, and these I, two teams are, are are good in all the funnest ways. And before this is like another like fourteen to ten game. Yeah, and that's a, that's a sad thing. Is like I, you you would have pictured the la- last year's Super Bowl to be another stellar matchup between mm-hmm. the juggernaut Rams and the always well coached Patriots, and instead it was f- a fucking snooze fest. But this, like these two teams, are just so well suited to play each other. Can't wait! Can't wait! All right, so I'm not going to do any of the outro stuff because, again, there'll be an episode or a discussion right behind this one. So stay right where you are. Hey, welcome back. How uh, how weird is this? We don't do this. It's uh, it's we we've left in time. Time time and space have advanced since uh, maybe not space, but time has certainly advanced since the last time we spoke. Um, which for you was moments, and for me was a couple days. It's now it's now Wednesday, uh, January twenty second, quarter to ten p.m. Uh, here to update on the MLB Hall of Fame voting. Corwin not able to join us. It's just gonna be it's just gonna be you and me here, guys. We left left that old cow at home. It's it's just it's just the boys. <laughs> um. All right, so first off, I guess we'll start with the big stuff. Derek Jeter and Larry Walker made the Hall of Fame. I think the the two guys, everyone, one, one assumed all but certain getting in, in Derek Jeter and one everyone's fingers were crossed, praying to God he was making it, Larry Walker. Good for both of them. Jeets, not surprising. Larry Walker... You're not surprised, but you're relieved. Very relieved. Super just 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 deserves it. He just deserves it. Um this was Jeter's first year of eligibility, Larry Walker's tenth year of eligibility. Jeter got ninety-nine point seven percent of the votes. One guy one guy. One. One person didn't vote for him. Uh Larry Walker got seventy six point six percent of the votes, so he falls just shy. Or sorry, just makes it Passed the 75% requirement to get into the hall. He had 304 out of 397 total possible votes. Derek Jeter, 396 out of 397. Both super deserving, really great players. Um, just to give a, a big overview of their stats. Uh, Derek Jeter, 72.4 war. Larry Walker, 40, uh, sorry, 72.7 war. Derek Jeter, 20 seasons to Larry Walker, 17. Uh, Jeter played in 2,747 games at 11,195 at-bats, 1,923 runs, 3,465 3, hits, 260 home runs, 1,311 RBIs, 358 stolen bases, 1,082 walks, a lifetime batting average of 310 on base, 377, slugging 440, an OPS of 817, and a lifetime OPS plus of 115. Larry Walker... Uh, he had a 1,988 at bats, 60. Sorry, sorry, 1,988 games, 6,907 at bats, 1,355 runs, 21, 
160 hits, 383 home runs, 1,311 RBIs, the same number as Jeter, that's weird, uh, 230 stolen bases, 913 walks, a lifetime batting average of 313, lifetime on base percentage of 400, lifetime slugging of 565, an OPS of 965, and an OPS plus lifetime of 141, and now they're both in the Hall of Fame. It's a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. Uh, also joining them in the Hall of Fame this year via Veterans Committee is Ted Simmons, a catcher and first baseman. Uh, prominent, most prominent, I guess, from the St. Louis Cardinals, although he also spent a few good years in, the, in Milwaukee with the Brewers and in Atlanta with the Braves. Um, I don't care about this man, as I don't know fully who he is. He led the league in so few things. And it doesn't matter. Um, in regards to, I want to talk, I guess, a bit about each person, though I don't have too much to say. Larry Walker, the numbers speak for itself on this one, I think. I think that's the most, that's the easiest way of putting it. The fact he wasn't in sooner, I think, is absolutely perplexing. Uh, this should break the tension around people uh, who play the bulk of their career in cores, making it into, into the Hall of Fame. I know it's always been a discussion point. Uh, how much does the cores effect help you? And Larry Walker, I, I believe, being one of the first prominent players from uh, Coors Field to make it into the Hall of Fame will hopefully make that a more relaxed process going forward so that others don't have to wait 10 fucking years to get in as he did. Um, Derek Jeter. Yeah, everyone got it. Um, <laughs> it's just it's just funny to me how how much people shit talk Jeter and not even that I'm the most ardent Jeter supporter um because if you told me that like when the Yankees signed A-Rod Jeter should have moved to third and let A-Rod stay at short from a statistical standpoint I'd be like yeah he probably should have um I there's a lot that goes into the Hall of Fame I think that it's it's not just numbers like people are are commenting on the the near unanimity of Jeter as compared to Larry Walker, who scrapes by in his 10th year of eligibility, Jeter in his first, uh, when their numbers of war-wise are very similar and when Larry Walker's career batting numbers are just eye-poppingly better. It's the Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of Statistical Prowess. It's not the Hall of Technical Prowess, not even to reduce it to be reductions and to call it numbers. Even talent, it's not just about the talent. It's about the other things. It's about being the captain, a very notable captain of a very notable team. I'm not saying that that should have bearing, but I'm saying it does. It's about winning five World Series titles, which does Dieter have a lot to do with that? Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but the fact of the matter is, he was on it. He did it. He did those things. It's the fact that he was the face of baseball forever. Forever. The man was like, everyone knows who Derek Jeter is. You go up to some random ass dude on the street and ask him who Derek Jeter is. And he's going to say, oh, the Yankee. Might not even get the position right. Might not get anything about him right. Going to know he's a Yankee. Going to know he's a baseball player. You ask a random guy on the street who Larry Walker is, it's going to be a question mark. That's not the shit talk Larry Walker. It's just to say that the Hall of Fame accounts for different things outside of just those things, those those strictly on-field baseball things, much in the same way Kurt Schilling's been held off the ballot for years because he's a dick. 
off the field. Uh, speaking of which, though, let's transition over to that because I'm not sure I have uh, any, anything else to say on this matter. People who did not make it into the Hall of Fame this year are many because only two people actually did make it. The In order of how many votes they got, Kurt Schilling misses the ballot by 5%. He got uh, 278 votes, 70% of the votes. Uh, he needs only five percentage points more. Uh, he He's in his eighth year of eligibility. Other players all in their eighth year of eligibility are fascinating. It's Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, finished with 61%, Barry Bonds, who finished with 60.7%, and Sammy Sosa, who finished with 13.9%. Those are all players going into go, who just finished their eighth year of eligibility going into their ninth year, so they have two years left. Um, so Schilling at 70% is very likely to make it next year, though we'll talk about that. Bonds and Clemens are creeping up there, which makes it just utterly fascinating. Um, Sammy Sosa, I, I'm going to say, is is not. It's cool he's hung around on the ballot this long, but I just I just can't imagine he's going to make it at this point. Uh, other players who will stay on the ballot next year, Omar Vizquel finished with 526 Scott Rowland, 35.3. Billy Wagner, 31.7. Gary Sheffield, 30.5. Todd Helton, 29.2. Manny Ramirez, 28.2. Jeff Kent, 27.5. Andrew Jones, 19.3. And Andy Pettit, 11.3. Also, Bobby Abreu, in his first year of eligibility, just stays over the 5% threshold required to stay on an additional year, 5.5%. Notable people who fell off in their first year of eligibility. Ah, I'll just read all the names. Paul Canerco, uh, Jason Giambi, Alfonso Soriano, Eric Chavez, Cliff Lee, Raul uh, Ibanez, J.J. Putz, Brad Penny, Adam Dunn, Carlos Pena, Heath Bell, Rafael Furcal, Brian Roberts, Jose Valverde, Chone Figgins, and Josh Beckett. Um, I'm not really surprised by any of these. I'm a little bit surprised that Jason Giambi fell off in his first year. I'm not saying I, in my mind, Jason Giambi is a Hall of Famer, because I don't think he is. But at the same time, I, I I could see I could see enough dudes making a case. I mean, fifty and a half WAR. He's got an MVP in there. Um, he doesn't really have too much hardware. He only has the uh, five-time All Star, the two-time Silver Slugger, and you know an MVP along with a second-place finish, but. He's got a he's got a decent chunk of black ink here. Um, I'm not again. I'm not saying in my mind he's a Hall of Famer because I don't think he is in my mind. But you know he he, he certainly I I would have expected him to last a little bit longer than this. Um, oh well, that's that I guess. Let's um take a look at what's happening. What can we what we can expect out of the 2021 ballot? We did this last year. Looking forward. And we're going to do it again. This is going to be an interesting year because there's not anyone really interesting up for their first year of eligibility. Um, you know, this past year we had Derek Jeter, who was really the headlining member of that class. But uh, outside outside of Jeter being in his first year of eligibility last year, I don't know who was on the ballot that was really worth discussing. Um, who was a who was the first? first ballot guy our first year guy Bobby Abreu is the only other person on their first year of eligibility who managed to stay on the ballot which says a lot about that class next year it's even more uh obscurity I guess 
there's definitely I mean these are all names you're going to recognize if if you if you like baseball and the in the time periods in which these people played but it's it's definitely people who probably aren't going to be on the ballot the following year. Uh Tim Hudson probably gone. I'm, I'm going to venture to say uh Mark Burel I think would be it would be cool. Uh I I don't know. I've always liked Mark Burel. <laughs> he 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 did some cool shit for a while there, and he won a World Series in Chicago with the White Sox, which is super fun, and I will forever love him for that. Uh, Tory Hunter, a great player, he's just not going to make it in. He's just you know, he's just not one of those guys. That's the thing. All these guys are really great players. They're just not. They're just not all of them are like that. Like AJ Burnett, I have, I have great memories of AJ Burnett. He's not going to go in the Hall of Fame. Not not him and his twenty nine point one WAR. You know. Um, it's just nothing interesting going. Nick Swisher. I love Nick Swisher. Nick Swisher was a super fun player. Uh, 22 war. He's, he's going to fall off the ballot. Yeah. Um, what's going to be more interesting is seeing... A f- All right, so well, first off, the most fascinating thing is going to be the steroids guys. Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds both finished right around 61%. That's up from what it was last year. That's up from what it was the year before. It's been a slow climb, but if they can get near 70%, not even necessarily crossing, get near it, that gives me a lot of hope for their final year of eligibility. Uh, I'm fully in support of them being there. I don't know. I don't think Sammy Sosa is going to make it, even if um, they, they do break the mold, Clemens and Bonds, with enough time to give Sosa a chance, like if they break it next year. I don't think Sosa makes it in his 10th year. But Andy Pettit, I think, will be an interesting case on it because he did get hit with the uh, steroids ban. And I'm not certain I would buy into Andy Pettit in the Hall of Fame, but I I think a case could be made based on his other like non-stat-related fields. Granted, 60.2 war ain't nothing to sniff at, but he also has the World Series titles and and being just like the guy he was for so long um was never captain like Jeter obviously they're on the same team but being a high impact player a player you always recognized a, a player that was uh, a, a huge name for his time the, the the fame aspect of Hall of Fame I guess is what I'm getting at here um it'll also see like the, how's that going to affect Manny Ramirez who's sitting there uh, at 28.2% this year. Uh, Gary Sheffield at 30.5%. It's going to be a really fascinating year for that because the thing is, these votes have to go somewhere. I guess they don't have to. You don't have to use 10 votes. But I have to imagine that with a weak first-year class, people are going to want to still cast votes because it's going to have meaning for them. Like, if you have the option to vote for someone for the Hall of Fame and you don't because you're a keep-the-hall-small kind of person, I can't imagine you're going to vote for nobody because then you're just wasting the honor, you know? It would feel... In my mind, it would be wrong. Even if there was no one I really cared about, I think I'd at least cast, like, a vote for a person. And, of course... Is going to be Omar Vizquel, which I mean, I would low key love to have Omar Vizquel in the Hall of Fame. But anyway, seeing how, like, I'm going to say Kurt Schilling is going to make it because people are going to be bored and they're going to want this story to be over with. It'd be so cool to have Bonds and, and Clemens make it next year, but I'm not sure they're going to. It's just going to be one of those things where it's like, because it affects so much. It affects, like, is A Rod going to make it when he goes up? 
is David Ortiz going to make it when he goes up? Because both those guys should be a yeah, but they both have the steroids thing in the past, which is going to hold them back a bit. So next year, I don't think it's going to be as in, as as interesting because the headlining players won't be anyone new or exciting. But seeing how the needle moves, I think will make this keep this interesting. Um, and yeah, I mean that's kind of, that that's kind of it. That's really all there is to say. Uh, congratulations to Derek Jeter. Not that he fucking needs it. Big congrats to Larry Walker. I'm, I'm sure this means a lot to him and his SpongeBob jumpsuit. If you don't know what I was talking about, look it up. It's fantastic. He did an interview in it after he got into the Hall of Fame. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You can follow us on Twitter at JuicingPod. You can hit us up via Gmail, JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And, uh, Man, until Monday, y'all have a good